Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Here's the second of a new bonus pod series where I chat to Andrew Block about PR pitches and merger and acquisition trends in the UK PR scene at the moment. Andrew, for those of you who don't know, is co-founder and non-executive director at Frank PR and is now head of PR at the new business consultancy firm AAR. He's also a partner at PCB Partners, where he advises on buying and selling marketing servicing services agencies. This is the final call, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. The PR Moment Awards in London is on the 28th of April, um, and the, uh, the the ticket sales will close this Friday. Um, it's going to be a big one. We've got over 750 people in the room. So if you do want to come um, and you haven't got your ticket yet, you need to be quick. Um, and the Manchester Awards, there's not quite so much time pressure on those, um, but they're sh- also shaping up nicely for a big night on the 12th of May. Finally, thanks so much to our PR Moment podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Andrew, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Indeed. Uh, I don't know whether you're still on probation or not. We'll talk about that later. Um, But go on, give us your your rundown of of recent pitch news. Okay. well, um, I think it's been about two, three weeks since we spoke last time. There's been a few nice wins, actually. Quite quite a lot in the sort of hospitality, food and drink um, arena, I guess, as brands getting their confidence back and things are returning to some semblance of normality. So... Um, MC Talk won the consumer and corporate work for Air France, which was a nice win. Um, Brazen won Butlins. And then sort of on the food side, John Doe have won Ask. Kindred have won Lily's Kitchen. Um, then there's been a couple of other nice wins. Milk and Honey won Beamy, which is a great SaaS management platform. Frank won Blueberry, which is a really interesting business in this one. Metaverse, where I would predict there'll be lots of new business coming agencies ways in that space as brands try and find their feet and get a grip on this sort of the Web3 world, the Metaverse. Um, so, yeah, it seems to be relatively buoyant and, and busy for this time of year. Yeah, there's quite a few you reeled off there, which bearing in mind it's not that long since we did the last pitch. There's quite a bit going on, isn't there? How's the have we seen much impact of the sort of high rate of inflation and, and a bit of uncertainty in, with what's going on in the sort of geopolitics of the world currently? Is that having an impact yet on I don't know the speed of which clients are making decisions and the amount of new biz out there? Do you think? I think we're starting to see it. If you sort of look, you know, some of the big groups have been starting to report their, their figures for the first quarter. And within most of those um, reports, there's a sort of a note of caution that they're keeping a watch for. I think for the big global agencies, um, the political side and what's going on in Russia and Ukraine is definitely starting to cause or has already caused a bit of pain. I think... For the rest of the market, you know, look, inflation is not going anywhere in the short term. And I think, well, A, it creates a pressure for agencies to keep their margins, but that's another story. But on the new business side, I think clients are just a little bit 
a little bit cautious. I don't see anything significant, but, you know, perhaps the type of comms they need to be doing is going to have to change slightly. You know, consumers are still going to spend, but they're going to be more selective on what they're spending. They're probably going to research things a little bit more than they would previously. So that's going to adapt the type of comms that brands need, and that might impact their selection of agencies. And I think they're just, you know, they're under pressure themselves as they've got, you know, all sorts of issues with rising costs, distribution challenges, etc. Yeah, it's not an easy time for anyone at the moment. And that does slow things down slightly. I'm seeing a little bit of caution, slight delays on decision making, slight sort of changes in the types of agencies and the skill sets that people are looking for, but nothing dramatic, certainly nothing to worry about. It does feel still very buoyant and upbeat in terms of the new biz model. I mean, it's bound to have an effect, isn't it? I mean, if you've got inflation at over 5% um, and you've got um, a war in Europe with, with Putin's invasion of Ukraine, uh, depending on how long how long those two things go on for, it is bound to have an effect on the economy, isn't it, at some point? Yeah, I mean, yeah. undoubtedly, you yeah. know, there's, there's inflation, so spending is pinched and that has an impact. So, yeah, yeah right. it, it will have an impact. Whether it's going to make a dramatic difference to the amount of new business out there remains to be seen. I'm certainly not seeing a slowdown. I'm seeing a slight sort of change in direction or maybe right. a little bit more thought. I wouldn't even call it nervousness. There is still right. plenty of business out there and we're running loads of pictures at the moment it's just thinking about that a little bit i mean one of the things i see is that agencies are they're pushed at the moment aren't they they've got they're very very busy they don't have they don't have much spare capacity in terms of time um so, so do you is there a trend out there where agencies are uh you know a bit more front-footed with with some clients on 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 fees and and the sort of bargaining power of these things because at the end of the day, if if if, they, if the clients push too hard on fees and um, and deliverables, um, agencies can walk away a bit more easily than they could in the past, can't they? Yeah, look, having run an agency for many years, it's never easy to walk away from stuff. I think my view has always been, regardless of the economy, you should be getting the right value for the work you're doing. You should be pricing based on value, not based on hours and strengthening your relationship with clients so you're truly a partner you should be in a position where you can have those slightly difficult conversations that you know you need to have if if you're paying more for your staff and it's eroding your margins and your fees aren't increasing then that can become an issue and of course if you're over servicing and not delivering the right amount of work what you're being paid then that's a challenge too. And I, yeah. think I mean, from a, from a client perspective, if your agency's not making any money, they're unlikely to, to be doing, you know, they, they can't invest, can they? So um, they, won't, no, they won't be you know, online, much longer. You have to be doing a good job for your clients. Yeah. If, and if you're doing a good job, a client generally will be fair and reasonable. I think, yeah. sure. you know, what's happened in amongst this sort of inflationary challenge, which, you know, to be fair, is relatively new, there's a there's a big recruitment challenge and agencies are finding it very very hard to attract and in many cases retain staff so they have to be a little bit more selective probably in terms of the types of business 
they're pitching for and working on because potentially that can give them an opportunity cost that is not not a good one if they take on the right the wrong things. Yeah, no, they don't absolutely. want the resource to do the right thing. So you know, any agency owner needs to look at you know which are the clients that have the organic growth opportunities that are paying the right amount and put their focus into those and make sure that they're not taking on too much, not under delivering for the key clients and not putting themselves in a position where they they just can't resource business that that they need to resource. So it's not an easy time. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, no agency um, over has had an easy ride for the last couple of years. It's not no, definitely not. They've all, they've all got a few more grey hairs, I think. Um, yeah. Well, so have I, but anyway. Um, now, come so, on, moving uh, on to the acquisition front. Um, what, what did you make of, of Huntsworth's uh, acquisition of Circle? Because that, that's sort of the big story we've seen break on the, on the PR merger and acquisition side of things in the last week or so. I think it's a great deal for both of them, actually. I mean, Circle have you know, been a solid, well-reputed agency for you know 25 odd years, I think, and really, really good work. And I think they've had a good run in the last couple of years, Circle, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I think probably more than the last couple of years, but they've really built on their expertise. And I think what they've demonstrated is the ability to do great work and and very entrepreneurial in their nature as an agency. And I think that's going to fit really well with the rest of the Huntsworth group. So, you know, from the grading perspective, it's going to give them the opportunity potentially to expand their global footprint and it's going to help grading with their expertise in certain areas. I think, you know, they're going to be a great addition to Reg, you know, one of the top performing agencies, you know, for as long as I can remember as a sort of predominantly brand, also healthcare. It's going to help with Citygate, Jim Rogerson, and the sort of financial side of things, strengthening their offer. So I think from both sides, there's a real benefit. Yeah. Um, it's an exciting deal. You know, Circle were... I think they're roughly just sub five million fee income. So, you know, they're a decent size. It's not easy to find solid, well-run, growing agencies of that size. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a great deal for both of them, actually. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Caroline's obviously, it, it's, she's run that business for a long time. And I, I, a few years back, time goes by, doesn't it? Um, she bought uh, Ruth Kieran in to, yes. to, to, to run the business. Um, and sometimes those sorts of appointments don't work, but clearly that one has, hasn't it? And um, the business growth has accelerated. Um, and as ever, when you're looking to buy a business, you're, you're looking at the growth and the team um, that you're purchasing. And Huntsworth have obviously thought they fancy a bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a, it's a testament to, to Ruth that I guess they've allowed Caroline to, to walk away on, on completion of the deal. And, you know, they, they've obviously got faith in her and the management team. It's, as you said, it's always you know, when you're buying an agency, that's what you're buying. So you need to be confident in that. It's actually quite rare for a founder to be able to step away without being tied into some form of earnout. So, yeah, I mean, good for Caroline for making that appointment. And is, is there a lesson there? Do you think for other for other agency owners that 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 because when you're buying an agency, that's a big risk element, isn't it? That the founder walking away, whereas actually, if you've got somebody um, 
who's very prominent within the business as a CEO, then that is a, that risk factor decreases significantly, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, my view is always an agency has to be bigger than the people that are running it. But having said that, you know, you name any great agency, and you'll know who the key people are. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, to be fair, any 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 great business, you'll know who the key yeah. people are, won't you? Yeah. yeah. No, that's 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 very true. So, you know, I mean, the thing is, when you do when you do a deal, actually, a lot of the benefit comes post the initial upfront payment and where you can make the biggest financial gains is by achieving growth over the next you know anywhere between sort of three to five years so a lot of founders actually don't want to step away because they, they've then got a period of yeah. a few years where they can really capitalize on the benefit of being acquired and being part of something bigger that can help them strategically to grow um, but yeah there's where it becomes difficult is if you've got a founder you know, in theory, if Caroline was adamant on stepping away, I mean, to be um, fair, I, I don't. We we should we should say I, I don't I don't know I don't think you do either. We we don't know the intricacies of that deal, do we? So no, she, no, she I, made, I definitely get the impression it's, it it was her choice and she wanted to do that. And yeah, yeah. I don't think Huntsworth would have allowed her to do that had there not been a strong management team in place. Absolutely. Um, just talking about some of the smaller acquisitions from the, the private groups, there's um, some, some interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Last time we spoke, we touched a little bit about this trend for smaller groups, independent agencies making their own acquisitions. So, you know, actually, even since we spoke, um, Taste PR being acquired by Muckle Media, Taste obviously a sort of deep food and drink specialism. Um, you've got the definition group, they they bought a couple of agencies actually, Brand Vision and someone else, and they're sort of starting to become relatively sizable. They made a few few other acquisitions in the last couple of years. And then, you know, the one that continues to go from strength to strength is, is four. They acquired Joy Polloy, um, and then, you know, last year they did a couple of deals, I think Marmello, Cheeky Monkey. So, you know, they're, they're pretty sizable now. They think their fee income is, you know, just south of about 30 million. 350 odd FTEs. It's, it's, you know, really considerable business, just quietly sort of growing and growing through. Yeah. Through and, they, and they've grown, I'm sure there's been organic growth as well, but they over the years they've, they've acquired quite a bit, haven't they? Yes. Um, and yeah. it's one of them. You you keep acquiring things if you've got a decent record of, of, of the acquired businesses going well. Um, so it would seem to be a model that works for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they seem to be, you know, where, where it's always difficult with these things. I mean, all the groups have different models. Some of them just run them as independent businesses under one roof. Others sort of merge them together, and which I think is more Four's style. I don't know the ins and outs, but I, th- I think they sort of bring everything more or less under the Four banner. Um, so there's different yeah, ways so. of doing it, but, you know, it's not so easy, you know, it's... it's Making a good acquisition and merging it successfully into your existing operation is easier said than done. There's certainly more failures than there are success stories. Yeah, although I've had different conversations with people over the years. I mean, some people say if you if you can retain the the, the core clients and then maybe add a geography or two and 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 a, a good proportion of the people, then actually. Um, it can it can be looking pretty good quite quickly if you see what I mean and um, so the idea some of those 
acquisitions where the the initial business seemed to sort of just disintegrate away can actually, I think, from the from the buying side, you know, you might argue that you've you've taken a big account and it was was a UK account and you've now run quite a bit of it in the yeah. US or whatever else. And so it, it's, it's it, it can depend on the perspective, some of those deals, can't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, the key to it is both sides have to have the same ambition and be on the same page in terms of the direction. But what's, I think, increased in pace over the last certainly sort of three to five years is the expansion of services that an agency can offer a client. So, you know, what you're seeing is agency groups bolstering their skill set, you know, whether it be in certain specialisms or geographies, but more likely in digital skills, social skills, uh, paid media, you know, whatever it might be, design, content. These are all things that you can sell to a client where you have a, a good relationship. And that's what a lot of these groups have been doing but still from from an acquisition perspective you have to make sure that the person that is selling has the same aspirations as the person that is, is buying which is going to vary from deal to deal but if, if you're not aligned from the outset a deal that is done purely for financial reasons in all likelihood isn't setting itself up for the best chance of success cool. I do. I think we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for coming on the show. No problem. Did I pass my probation? Or do I have to wait and see if anyone listens to this? It, it's it, yeah, you've got to do three before it, that you get you, right, you right. can answer that. You love a tough deal. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the PR Moment Podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.